This is a day that Christians all around the world celebrate the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's kind of awkward to say it out loud, right? The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. But what we know as Christians is that this is when God came to earth in flesh as Jesus. He lived a blameless life on our behalf. He took the wrath, do our sin, do our lives upon himself so that we might experience God's love, his forgiveness of sins, and his life everlasting. So we say, Happy Easter to you and to yours. Welcome to First Christian Church here in Champaign and Urbana. And for us, Easter is so much more than just painting Easter eggs or eating chocolate rabbits, right? Easter is more than just a dressing up for your mom and taking a Zoom call with family. Easter is so much more than just a, a moment or a day when people might show up to church together. Easter is the reality for us that Jesus has conquered both sin and death through his death, burial, and resurrection. I'm glad you've joined us today. We want to make sure that you have a chance to follow along with our message today. So I'd like to encourage you, if I can right now, to go to our message notes. And you'll, there you'll find our Connect card and other ways to respond. But you can go to fcc-online.org forward slash Sunday and follow along with our message today. Take some notes and find some deeper understanding to where we're going with today's message. You know, for us, COVID-19 has caught many of us by surprise. No, not that we didn't know it was coming, but how it might just impact our lives. And so we started this series last week called Chasing Carrots because I think for many of us, we spend a lot of time spending a lot of energy chasing things that may or may not bring fulfillment the way we think they should. Now, chasing carrots shows up in different ways in our lives. Maybe it's chasing a career, or maybe it's chasing a relationship. Uh, sometimes it's found in seeking popularity or even fame, control, or power. But we don't notice it right away that we might be chasing carrots until we begin to hear these phrases, right? One day I will be able to do, and we say, whatever it is that we're trying to get towards, as children, maybe we have posters of athletes or celebrities that we dream that our lives might represent. And while we set those as goals or aspirations, we have to be careful what we chase. Because what we chase is what our life will be about. Let me say that again. What we chase is what our life will be about. You know, it's crucial in this season that we need to begin to understand really what matters. And though circumstances change for each of us, we must recognize that God is in control. And God is seeking out people who respond to him in these moments to surrender their lives to him. Because there's so much more at stake than just our career or a relationship. There are lives who hang in the balance to understand that their eternity is meant for God's credit and God's glory. I've been reading a book recently, and it shared a message about a young man, a 25-year-old young man who had just stepped out of the military. His name was Giovanni. This happened hundreds of years ago. 
After stepping out of the military, he had come to a point in his life where he decided just to, to give everything away, to sell it all and give it to the poor. The town began to communicate about it and talk about it. And one man began to wrestle with what had really happened. Was he, was he mad? Was he crazy? Did he, did he have some sort of epiphany? And so deciding to find out for himself, instead of listening to the gossip of the community, he invited him over to his house. Bernard of Quintavalle invited Giovanni to his house. Later that night, the house stilled. It grew quiet. And everybody had gone to bed, but uh, Bernard had decided to kind of peek into his room to see what might be going on in Giovanni's room. And as, as the night went quiet, Giovanni got up from his bed, went to his knees, and began to pray. Over and over and over, the words, my God and my all, came from his lips. As Bernard saw this simple, humble act of prayer, it was clear to him that this wasn't some just passing, fleeting moment to give everything away, but a transformation had, had and happened in this young man's life. So much so that Bernard's life began to emulate Giovanni's life as well. Ultimately, he sold much of what he had, gave it all to the poor, and surrendered his life to Jesus as well. Within a year of following after this Giovanni, Bernard noticed that 11 other people had given their life to Jesus. After a decade, over 5,000 people surrendered their life to Jesus. Why? Beyond an act of compassion, beyond an act and expression of prayer, was at the heart of this a transformation of one man becoming the man God intended him to be. We know Giovanni as St. Francis of Assisi. His life became the legacy that many followed after as he was chasing after Jesus. I believe in this season right now that God is looking for people with, with three particular characteristics right now. First of all, that we would be the kind of people that would be available. By available, I mean willing to respond and to go where God would ask them to go. Second of all, I believe that God's asking for hungry people, not hungry for themselves, but hungry in a sense of humility. They are passionate before God to want to do something for God. And they're faithful they're faithful, meaning they're committed to follow after God, even when life doesn't meet our expectations. If you have your Bibles today, I want to go ahead and encourage you to open up to Mark, or excuse me, to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be found today. And Luke is the third gospel, the third book of the New Testament. And it's a it's an account of the life of Jesus, not just his death, burial, and resurrection, but the way that he began to teach and lead and interact with people in his day, in his time. Luke is known for his detail, for his understanding of what's happening in relationships and giving the nuances of everything that's going on in these moments with Jesus from his eyewitness account. So Luke begins to describe an encounter that Jesus is going to have today with a man named Simon, or as we know him as Simon Peter, or most oftenly as we refer to him as 
Peter. Peter's a young man with brothers who are known to be fishermen in a community. And they do not have a, a relationship with Jesus at this point, not only as a friendship or even as surrendered back to him as lordship or to his, as their king. But in a day of fishing, they are found to be where Jesus comes and begins to teach. And there begins this interaction. Here's what it says, starting in Luke 5, starting in verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, it's also known as the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and they were listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats and the one belonging to Simon and he asked him to put out a little bit from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. If you were with us last week, you knew a very similar situation happened last week. But ultimately, after teaching, Jesus leaves, crosses the Sea of Galilee, and is impacted by a storm. Now, this region we talked about, though, is, has a terrain that is, is almost perfect for speaking to large crowds because it can create somewhat of an amphitheater setting. And people would stand along the shoreline, but a, a teacher or speaker may push out away from the shoreline out into the water to create some distance and teach. But what we find in the context here in this Lake of Gennesaret, or as we would call it, the Sea of Galilee... There is this moment where the people around them are, are coming up to hear Jesus teach, but there's a group of fishermen off to the side washing their nets. That's code for they're done with their work. They had been fishing overnight, and they were done with fishing, and it had not been a great day. They were done. Jesus borrows one of the fishermen's boat. He asks to push out a ways. And what he does is he begins to take his place in the boat, sits down, and just begins to teach to the crowd. Look what it says as it goes on in verse 4. Jesus had finished speaking. Uh, excuse me. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said, Simon, put out to the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now here's the conflict that begins to show up, right? Jesus is teaching one of his many discourses, I'm sure, about the kingdom of God, the character of God, how our lives should be centered around God. He's been communicating to the crowds about what this new life looks like. And Peter, after spending all night fishing, has gone back out at the request of Jesus, and he's put out to some deep water, and there Jesus has begun to tell him, hey, hey, Peter, why don't you do it this way? See the conflict? Jesus, a teacher, speaking of the character and nature of God, Peter, a fisherman, uh, an expert of fishermen. It's most likely his family trade. He and his brothers have been doing it all night. They know how this goes. They know when a bad day of fishing is done, it's best just to go home. But there begins to be this tension. Is Jesus for Peter? Or is Jesus versus Peter? Peter begins to make a decision. He can either tip his cap and call it a day, or he can respond. And seven short words express the character of Peter. Here's what he says. 
But because you say so, I will. Now, we may have heard that phrase in the past much differently, like, right? Uh, your dad told you, hey, because I said so, do it, right? No, this is the other shoe. This is the other way. This is Peter saying, because you say so, I will. You have to wonder. Was it because while he was fishing after a, a terrible night, what he heard of Jesus, the teaching he heard of Jesus, he just wrestled with, could, could this man see something? Could he understand something differently that maybe I don't see? Maybe he was like, well, what am I going to do? All these people are watching right now. What, am I, what else am I going to do? But let's just give it a shot. So he throws his net in. And here's the tension. Here's the tension for each and every one of us is that there are things in our lives that we feel like we are the experts at, right? Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's the expectations of how we think our life should go. But there are moments in the Christian life where Jesus begins to intersect our daily life and Jesus says, let's change that way. Let's do this differently. Let's make these priorities the priority of your life. And we have a choice to either continue to chase the carrots that we want to chase or to say, because you say so, I will. Look what happens with Peter. It says this starting in verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled their boats uh, so full that their boats began to sink. And Simon Peter saw this. He fell at his feet. He fell at the feet of Jesus and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John. The sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. You know, it's intriguing to watch this play out. But a change begins to unfold in front of everyone there. Jesus' plan, <laughs> it works. They obey the command of Jesus. And what happens after an incredible night of terrible fishing, a miracle happens. They catch so many fish in their nets that as they begin to pull them into the boat, the nets begin to break. They call for help from another boat and together they try and pull it in. But as they pull all the fish into their boat, the weight of the boats begin to sink. It's a miracle. It's God's work in this moment. The fishermen experience something they had never really experienced. They begin to both understand who Jesus is and his authority, but they have an, a, per, a personal epiphany. That this is God with them. And Peter, more than anyone, recognizes who Jesus is and who he, meaning Peter, is not. Peter's response is one of worship. And not in the sense of singing or raising hands or, or, or even in a sense of, of, of prayer or, or church service. But it's worship in the sense of humility. Laying himself out before Jesus. Recognizing that he is in awe of his ability, power, and might. 
Peter sees the life that he has been chasing and all the ambition and all the expertise that he has and knowing more than he should ever know about how this sea should respond, he sees all of it unfold in one simple command. And he sees in front of Jesus more than anything else, not simply the catch, not simply the fish. He sees his own inadequacy. He sees his sin, his depravity, his failure before God. And in a heart of repentance, he cries out, get away from me. I'm sinful. There's nothing more humbling, I think, for anyone to be brought to their knees. Nothing speaks to a changed heart like when we humble ourselves and admit our wrongdoing. But I think when we see this moment, we need to recognize that when we see our shame, we need to see God's acceptance of who we are in that moment. When we see our inadequacy, we need to see God's greatness and what he might do. When we see our own brokenness, we need to see God's healing for our lives. And when we see our sin, we need to see God's forgiveness. When we see Peter respond, we see him being available to what God might do. We see him hungry and humble to see God work in his life and change him. And we see a life of faithfulness, of surrender, allowing God to move in his life. But these characteristics should not surprise us. Because these are the characteristics of Jesus, right? Philippians 2, uh, verses 5 through 11, happen to be a, a hymn, a song that describes the character of Jesus. Look what it says in verses 6 through 8. It says, Who, meaning Jesus, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, Nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. This is the picture of Jesus. Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, came to earth. Jesus, who gave up his privilege and his prestige to live amongst humanity. Jesus, who gave up the very comfort of heaven and being at the right hand of God, now walks among us. Jesus, uh, no more living simply as the king of the universe, but now as a servant towards humanity. Jesus humbles himself to die a tragic death on our behalf, to bear our sin, and to give us new Life. This is Jesus. And so let me ask you who is Jesus to you? I mean, in the season of COVID 19, when, when everything that we had in place is now being negotiated and changed, how does Jesus begin to impact what you are seeing of your own life right now, let's go back to the passage because Peter's not left just on his knees, humble before God. Look what happens. Then Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid. 
both from now on, from now on, from now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up to shore and they left everything and followed him. I love that last verse, right? They left everything and followed after him. Peter recognizes that Jesus is so much more than just an amazing teacher or a miracle worker. And Jesus knows him more deeply than he knows himself. And Jesus knows even how to fish better than Peter knows. He knows the best opportunities about how to master his craft better than Peter knows. Jesus knows the depravity of Peter and yet loves him. And when Peter tries to push him away, I, I think Jesus kind of grabs him by the shoulders and says, don't be afraid. Everything you've known, every skill that you've had can now be leveraged for even more. I think it's important for us to understand what we follow is what we become. But here's what's important. We become like Jesus when we follow Jesus. We become like Jesus when we follow Jesus. And that's why as a church, our mission is helping each other follow Jesus. We're not following each other. We're all following him. Because Jesus is both our Savior and our Lord. He's the one that our followership is due. He's the one that our lives should be committed to. Can I tell you a, a story real quickly about what's been happening in our community with people following after Jesus? Uh, recently, we had uh, the privilege of uh, announcing that we are starting a COVID-19 fund, right? We had announced that we are going to partner with Stone Creek Church and that other churches are partnering with other food pantries and together the larger church is going to work together so that we can help bring food relief to the community that we're a part of. And just recently, I sat on a couple of conversations that churches that began to partner together and began to work with food pantries have actually now begun a collaboration that's not just between faith-based organizations, but non-faith-based organizations, to the point that now the United Way is helped leading a campaign that's going to help fund these food pantries along with churches in an initiative called CU All In. They got the idea from All In Illinois to now CU All In, our initiative here. But in this conversation, we began to realize that God is leveraging not only churches through food pantries, but now these churches working with churches to take these food pantries and serve communities that now local school districts are going to be served and cared for. And we have a chance to leverage our COVID-19 fund for greater good. We've asked you to consider to use the Give app because all the gifts through April, first-time gifts, are going to be leveraged for this to help with food relief, benevolence, and to care for our ministry partners. But now I need to also ask you not only to give of your resources and finances, but to consider volunteering. Starting this week, we're going to begin to gather volunteers through First Christian Church, Champaign and Urbana. And we need to get those volunteers in place and prep because we're going to adopt a, a town 
or excuse me, a a day. And that day is going to help serve this region. And as we do that, our volunteers are going to need to be mobilized to help and serve. How do you respond to that? I need you to send me an email with your name, your phone number to this email address, foodvolunteer at fcc-online.org. God has been at work in these moments And what's exciting to see is that while we have been doing church as normal, now God is taking us a new direction so that we can be the church as a whole, working together to bring relief and care together through the East Central Illinois region. Isn't that incredible? How is God asking you to help? How is God asking you to respond? My boys like to play video games. And the truth of the matter is, I'm not very good. We have an Xbox at home, and I only really use a couple of buttons. I use the A, the B, and the directional toggle, right? Isn't that what they call it? Every time you hit A, it's for a choice that you would make. Every time you hit B, it's because you have to back up. And every time you move this directional toggle, it's a direction that God's moving you or moving you in the game. And I wonder if God's trying to have you respond today. I wonder if God's asking you to respond in one of those ways, whether to go back or whether to make a decision, a choice, or to move in a direction. What if God was asking you to hit B and just back up for a little bit? Let's ask this question. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you ever accepted him as your Savior and Lord? Scripture reminds us that If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And so as a church, we oftentimes use this confession of faith this way. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, would you repeat that after me? I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Maybe today you're making that decision for the first time. But I'd like to ask that you pause for a moment. Use the connect card at fcc-online.org forward slash Sunday and let us know that you're ready to make some decisions about following after Jesus, to accept him as your Lord and Savior, to consider baptism and moving forward in, in your obedience, to live a life of repentance. But the second button I think we need to push though is is A. Maybe there's a decision that we've got to make today. And I'm guessing if you're watching today, if you're listening to this, you're thinking, man, I haven't been connected to the church in a long time. Would you consider maybe joining one of our groups? Maybe there's a group that you can connect with to unpack this message a little bit deeper with and be able to make some decisions. Last of all, we need to choose a direction. We need to move forward. And maybe today you'll make the decision to give through the COVID-19 fund and to volunteer your time in food relief. Friends, today's a great day to make that decision and choose the direction in following after Jesus. Let's pray. God, take this moment, all that we are and all that we have. May you be our all in all. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know, about three years after this interaction that Jesus has with Peter, 
Um, there's another similar interaction. We find Peter fishing on a boat um, and Jesus is on the shore. But the, the stakes have drastically changed because at this point, Jesus has lived his perfect life. Peter had traded in his nets and laced up his sandals and followed him for three years, watching Jesus perform miracles and heal the sick and proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God, only to see his savior put into a grave to three days later raise from the grave, that same grave yet again. But then we turn a few pages and you can find this in John chapter 21. Peter is on a boat struggling to find fish and Jesus yet again gives him a similar directive. Put your net down on the other side and we see another miraculous catch. What happens next is is, is pretty profound. Jesus and Peter have this close-knit interaction. Jesus looks Peter in the eyes and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, of course, Jesus, I love you and feed my sheep. Peter, if you love me, take care of my sheep, tend to my flock. As the gospels close, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, as they close and we open to the book of Acts, the rise of the church, we see Peter at the forefront in the helm. And I'm reminded of Peter's words to those who are asking, what do we do with this Jesus? What do we do with this good news? What do I do with this gospel when I hear it for the first time? It's as almost as if they're saying, Peter, feed us. We want to follow in the flock of Jesus. In Acts chapter two, starting in verse 36, it says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? It's almost as Peter then replies in verse 38, this is how I feed my sheep. Repent, repent of your sins and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the gospel that we live, not just every single Easter, but every single day of our lives. What I need you to know is that Peter didn't just say, whatever you ask, whatever you will in this one day, in this one moment, in this one one storm, Jesus, I will follow after you. But we see for years and decades after that, wherever the spirit led him, Peter went, he proclaimed the good news he fed the sheep with that same reoccurring gospel message. Repent of your sins, believe in the power of the resurrected Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. That is what we celebrate. That is what we respond with this morning. So during this time of our service, we invite you to respond along with us together as the body of Christ. You can head to this website, fcc-online.org forward slash Sunday. And there's a few ways that you can respond. You can find out more information about the Give app and how to partner with First Christian Church and see you all in in the COVID-19 relief. You can find out more about donating uh, some prayer requests to us and how we could be praying for you. You can find out about joining in in one of these seasonal groups uh, during this time but also we invite you to respond with us through partaking in communion. So if you have that cracker, that bread, that juice, that water nearby, would you remember the elements with me this morning? 
During the last supper, Jesus took the bread and he took the juice. He took the bread, he held it up and he said, this is my body, take and eat. And he held up the juice and he said, this is my blood spilt for you. Take and drink, do this in remembrance of me. Would you respond with us as we celebrate the good news that Jesus is our Lord and Messiah, that he is risen.